Welcome to English in 10 Minutes, real, unscripted English conversations about people, places, and their stories. After you listen to the episode, visit EnglishIn10Minutes.com. This is part two of our conversation with our guest Reg about his amazing trip through Africa in the 1970s. We pick up his story in Kenya. And then we went north of Kenya uh, into Ethiopia. And that was probably the most difficult of all because it was the year Haile Selassie had died. And there was a civil war in the north. Um, and all the people that we met who'd come south said, don't go north. And our plan had been to go north and then go into the Sudan, to Juba, which is now South Sudan, capital and drive across the Sahara. That was always the plan. Um, but because we hit this civil war in uh, northern Ethiopia, um, our choices were limited. And somebody suggested we drive down to Djibouti, which is on the Horn of Africa. And um, we did. We, we, we took a train, the, the van train, down to Djibouti. And then we had to wait nearly a month to try and get the van on a boat across the Red Sea to North Yemen, right? Uh, so the, the whole sort of, you know, the whole planning that we got into changed dramatically because, you know, we were then having to go back to the UK through the Arabian Peninsula, um, which was not easy because that meant going through Saudi Arabia. Which is still not easy, even uh, to this day. Uh, absolutely. So um, we finally got a boat, uh, a Polish uh, cargo boat that was able to accommodate four passengers. And we were the only two of the four passengers, plus the vehicle. Um, and it was called the, I think it was called the SS Fidnicza. Um, and we thought overnight passage, 24 hours, but of course we hadn't planned for the fact that Hodeida, which was the port of North Yemen, only had three berths. And we were one of about 20 boats waiting offshore to be offloaded. Now, the Greeks could bribe the uh, harbour master but the East Europeans couldn't. So most of the boats that were stuck waiting for a berth were Russians, Yugoslavs, uh, Polish, Romanian, and we were stuck for a month. There you go. But it didn't cost us anything because the contract for our overnight passage was just 24 hours. So we were quite hungry by that time, having been about nine months on the road. Uh, and they fed us. They fed us for a month, and we, um, we made firm friends on that boat because we, they came, a couple stayed with us in Malaysia, saw us in Australia years later because um, the Poles are just a lovely bunch of people and they were very cynical about communism. So we were stuck on that boat for a month, uh, finally got offloaded in Hodeida, um, and the, the captain was a charming guy. But he was totally mad. He was, a, he was an alcoholic. He was the foremost private butterfly collector in Poland. He'd written a book 
on the butterflies and moths of the world. That's incredible. Right? So at night, and it was during the Montreal Olympics, I would sit oh, in the combi listening to the Olympics with all the uh, arc lights on because you had to when you were berthed off uh, shore with this mad butterfly collector running around collecting moths with a, with a butterfly net. So there were those sort of weird little uh, vignettes um, that uh, just remain embedded in my mind. And so when we got to Hodeida, we then had to work out how on earth we were going to get up to uh, through Saudi Arabia, uh, you know, uh, Syria, Yugoslavia, and then home. And the first, the first uh, challenge was just getting out of uh, North Yemen. And we went up to Sanaha, which is the old capital, beautiful old city. And we met up with a couple of a couple who were working for the UN. And we they we got talking. We were just sort of by the roadside, and they stopped. He stopped, and Richard stopped in his Land Rover. Got talking. He said, "Oh no, come stay with us. We'll work it all out." So we stayed with them for about three weeks, and uh, it, oh, I had to go day after day to the Saudi Arabian embassy to persuade them to give me a visa to get into Saudi Arabia to drive up the coast. And were you just trying for a transit visa or was Yeah, a, transit a, visa, just get in and even that. get out. And that, even that was hard. But um, we got it. Um, and uh, we thought, well, before... And they gave it to us sort of two weeks hence. So we thought, ah, before we actually leave North Yemen, let's go down to the near Aden which was the capital of South Yemen, which right. was communist, just to see if we could actually get in. Um, and it was on the drive down towards Aden that we, and it was very circuitous mountain passes that we were going through, because it's very beautiful, North Yemen. It's up in sort of highlands, the centre. Uh, I lost the brakes going down and panicked and changed gear from third into first and there was this awful sound of an engine exploding and in fact I then stood on the brakes and managed to stop but the engine had actually just you know, burst, pistons, everything. And could you use the, the training that you'd done to, well, to fix the it? the amazing story, I'm, are we all out of time? The, ama the amazing story was that um, we started to, we thought that's it. And we were parked near a village. They all came out, the Yemenis, and looked at us and thought we were mad. And we started selling stuff to people who were going by in their cars. And then this uh, Volkswagen passed, and uh, the guy stopped and he said, uh, what's the problem? I said, our engine's blown up. I said, we're stuck. He said, look. He said, I actually work at an Anglo-German construction, road construction camp about 60 k's down the road. He said, if you can get down there, he said, I'm sure they'll be able to help you. So I said to Pam, I said, look, get a ta taxi, because there were taxis going past. Get a taxi back to Richard and uh, Mary. Get them to come down in the Land Rover, which she then did. I'll, meantime, take the engine out and we'll go with the engine down to this Anglo-German construction camp. So when they came back, loaded on the engine, drove down to this uh, Anglo-German construction camp, met the Austrian works manager, who, believe it or not, had four young Yemeni apprentices 
who were resurfacing and conditioning a 1600 made in Brazil combi engine. I mean, because it, it, it was Brazilian made, and, uh, and we, we got talking, and I said, is it Brazilian? He said, yes, it is. He said, this is what I'll do. He said, I'll take your old engine, because they are just finishing this one. I'll give you that one, put it on, and then if you get it all working, come in and we'll service the whole vehicle. That's an amazing coincidence that they, <laughs> that they had that right there. So, yes, yeah, so you thought, okay, well, we've done the course, we'll take the engine back, and, you know, we were taught things like if you take an engine out, you put a tyre under it, uh, inflate the tyre, you can then rest the engine on that tyre, then you deflate it and pull it out. Amazing. I would never have thought of that, but I was taught that. Um, so we did, I did that. And it's only four bolts and combi engine. So in it went, and we were on a hill, so pushed it down the hill, and it started. Wow. Incredible. And did you eventually make it through Saudi Arabia? I certainly did. I got, we got the engine, uh, got the whole car serviced, new accelerator cable, put a new uh, carburetor in, uh, got through Saudi Arabia. We had to go, get a boat from Hodeida up to Jeddah because you couldn't drive through northern uh, North Yemen because there was, again, a civil war, some uh, tribal fighting. As um, there is now, more or less. <laughs> eh? And we drove on what was then a very new road along the coast. Then it went up through Saudi Arabia, and we reckon we were probably the first white people who drove on that road. Um, drove into Mecca by mistake and got chased out because <laughs> it said no infidels. Um, and yeah, so we drove up past uh, through Syria, uh, visited places like Aleppo, mm -hmm. or one that's just been raised to the ground in the Civil War, which we're very saddened by because I think after Sa Sanaa, it was the oldest. Uh, Con continuously urbanised city in the world and very beautiful. Anyway, so we went through places like Damascus, Aleppo, uh, through uh, Syria, through Yugoslavia, through Greece uh, and then through Western Europe uh, and arrived back in okay. September 76 where from on the ferry across from Calais to Dover it started raining and the UK had the Biggest drought in 600 years, and we arrived the day that the rains came. And I thought that was very interesting, the arriving back when it starts raining. Absolutely. So that was our trip, 20,000 miles, um, about 11 months. It's an amazing It made journey. me want to be a foreign correspondent. You know, it's an amazing journey, and it's great. To, it's incredible to see how much things have changed, uh, and then yes. in some cases, how much things yeah. have stayed the same. Yeah, and interestingly, about two or three months after we arrived back, there was some dispute between Kenya, Uganda, and Tanzania, and they closed off the borders. Right, and we so we couldn't have got through. So we were very lucky in the timing that we actually got through. All right, Rich. Thank you very much. Okay. to English in 10 Minutes. To download a worksheet for this episode, including the most useful vocabulary and a full transcript of the conversation, visit EnglishIn10Minutes.com.